Welcome to Happy Hour with the Three Tomatoes. And no matter what time of the day you're listening, shouldn't every hour be happy? Cheers and enjoy the episode. Before we start our episode, let's talk girlfriend to girlfriend with a special message and a great offer from our friends at Pulse. We all know that when we go through menopause, we lose estrogen. But what we often don't talk about is how this can lead to intimacy issues. Sex can become uncomfortable and even painful. You may have tried personal lubricants and were turned off by the sticky mess. Well, now there's a new line of awesome personal lubes that were created by a rock star team of women. Doctors, engineers, chemists, and sociologists. You'll love Aloe Ah, a luxuriously smooth silicone-based lube with soothing aloe and vitamin E. And H2O is a natural water-based moisturizing lube made with hydrating organic chia extract. No sticky, icky mess here. You'll also love the Pulse Lube Warming Device. Trust us, ladies. The Pulse products are game changers when it comes to great sex at any age. And here's the best part. Get 15% off all lubricants with code 3TPULSE15. Go to lovemypulse.com. It seems like people are looking like they're looking at baseball cards instead of people. I've had a lot of experiences with uh, cheaters. You were just listening to two guests who talked about their real online dating experiences with host Ronnie Jenkins. Listen in. It's a fun and entertaining conversation. Hi, I'm Ronnie Jenkins from The Three Tomatoes. I'm your host for this episode of The Three Tomatoes Happy Hour. So cheers and thanks for joining in. Joining me today are my group of friends who have all experienced online dating after the age of 40. This is our three girls and one guy panel. So I welcome Judy, Vanessa, Dawn, and representing the guys, John. Welcome all. Give yourselves a quick intro. Thanks, hi, I'm Judy Katz, ghostwriter, book publisher. I've been married three times. Dr. Katz died five years ago. So I've been online dating for four years and was writing my blog, Online Dating for the Perfect Act 3 for the Huffington Post for the past three years. Excellent, thank you. Vanessa, you wanna give a little intro? Sure, hi, I'm Vanessa. I just turned 53 years old last week, holy cow. I had no idea that it was gonna feel this young. Um, I've had various romantic relationships over the course of my life, but I've also spent a significant portion of it being single. Um, I've never been married, never had children, for the past 10 years, I've been living and working in Manhattan. I work in investor relations in, as, um, in private equity, and I've dated on a number of online sites until 2017 when I met somebody really special on Tinder, and I've been in a great relationship with him ever since. Yay. Hi, this is Dawn. I'm 48 years old, and I've uh, been through the trenches in online dating both before and after uh, a marriage um, that I'm recently going through a divorce. Um, and it's been a very interesting ride to see how things have changed in the last 10 years since I've been off of the initial ride. Thanks. And John, representing the male voice here. It's a lot of pressure, but I'll <laughs> deal with it. Uh, hi, I'm Johnny Bell. I'm a very immature 55. I was married for 10 years. I've been divorced for 10 years. I never had any internet dating uh, experiences before I was married. I met her the old-fashioned way in a bar, and that's not really an option anymore. So you, <laughs> I turned to online dating, and I have a lot of interesting insight into this subject. <laughs> Great. So thank you guys for, 
for joining me. And so really there's the obvious when it comes to online dating, right? It's like the first thing is what dating site to pick. And there, there's so many, it's like going to Costco. Then you have to set up this whole profile, which can be overwhelming. And it means you have to come up with something interesting about yourself, your likes, your dislikes, and actually having to put out photos of yourself. So let's talk about that a little bit. And I, I'm going to throw this one over to Judy first. Because as a professional writer, I know that you must have a killer profile and that you've also done this for some of your friends. So how do you start with your profile? How do you pick what to do? Uh, yeah, thanks. I was on Match and J-Date. Um, I think it starts with your, prof your profile name or handle. I don't know what you call it, but I used Wake Up Happy because I do. And, and that seemed to spark something in people, wake up happy. I try to avoid cliches for myself and what I write for other people. Um, but I ask uh, people to write what wakes you up happy? What's your passion? In my profile, I wrote that my passion is turning people into successful authors and that I'm so blessed to be able to work uh, from my spacious Upper West Side apartment and become different people from all walks of life. I also said that I'm a good listener and that I can read between the lines for what's not said, which a lot of men found intriguing. Um, more than that, though, you need to know how to respond positively to other people's profiles, men or women, and be genuinely engaging and ask questions so they have a reason to talk back to you. And one of the big lessons that I discovered in my four years of doing this is that men want to please women. First, though, they want to be appreciated and validated. So if you hold up a mirror to who this man could be, he's all yours. But you know, you have to be sincere. So really, really read between the lines of his profile and then make him feel good about himself. I think that's awesome advice, Judy. And I think so many people kind of use these like dull and overused adjectives, sort of cliches, like I love to travel, I love wine, and <laughs> I'm warm and funny and smart and attractive. And honestly, like, Knowing all you guys, like you guys are like hot, all four of you guys are like, you're my hot single friends. Um, and so like, let's talk a little bit about photos and maybe like what you've seen out there, what you think is like inappropriate, what you find attractive. John is over here laughing. So I'm gonna just throw this over to him. <laughs> I know that there's been a few that he's sent to me and we've both gone like, oh my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, sadly, because of um, the pictures, it's almost become entertaining at times. Uh, looking at some of these photos, it's, you know, the obvious things, the old pictures, obviously old pictures, you know, hairstyles, give it away, fashions, rolling around on Z28 hoods. It's obviously <laughs> a very, very old photo. Uh, one time uh, as a protest, I put up my prom picture and put it me at wedding last summer just to. <laughs> so, uh, and other, other pictures, um, there's some women who don't smile. Yeah, I, don't, I don't understand that. And, and if, if you can't find a picture of yourself smiling, that, I, that's someone who I'm not going to be gravitated. I think you should, you know, you should have a nice picture of a recent picture of what you actually look like. 
um, maybe doing some activities, but that's it. You want to have a basic idea and you, and you hope it's truthful when you show up because that's the next interesting part of the equation. So all your pictures of you smiling with fish, right? <laughs> that seems to be a trend with men also too, but yeah. like a lot of fish, a lot yes, of fish, a lot of, dead fish. A, lot of dead, a lot of dead fish. <laughs> but, but one thing that I know, and Dawn and I have talked about this, so I'm going to throw this to Dawn a little bit, is that Dawn has a, a good friend of hers, and she's also thrown this off to me too, to kind of like help look at some photos. So you want to talk about some of the advice that your girlfriend gave to you about some of your photos that you had? Yes, and it was almost like an HGTV renovation show. It's like the before and after. I had um, some limited success when I was initially had some pictures on Bumble, and she looked at it with me and said, listen, like you can't really see your face in this. You've got either sunglasses on in this shot or you're wearing a hat or it's not close up enough. And she helped me go through and tailor it. So to John's point, you could see my face more, you could see me smiling, which shows to men that I can be happy and they could please me in that way. And also um, full body shots. So that way, you know, I think some men have been misled where they might think someone looks a certain way, um, but then, you know, maybe she doesn't look that way, you know, when they actually see them in person. So if they can see what you really look like in a full body shot, being active or in a dress, um, that helps too. And after I changed those pictures, I definitely got a lot more interest and in, in likes. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome. And I, and I think it's really important, especially like, you know, just knowing Vanessa also, you know, personally, who's super, super active. Um, you know, what do you guys think about putting those photos of you doing those things that you like? Like to me, if I saw a picture of, of a guy holding up a fish, I'd go like, oh, does he just want a woman that just goes fishing with him all the time? I mean, yeah. I don't know. what do you guys think about that? <laughs> Well, I can say it definitely made a difference. When I when I first saw a boyfriend on Tinder, the pictures I saw him in, you know, he had just run a marathon in one picture and I could see how fit he was. And I knew right away that that was somebody who prioritized it the way I would. And it made a big difference for me. And he stood out compared to all the guys who were taking pictures on their motorcycles or cuddling their dogs, you know. It, yeah. it matters, you know. You want somebody who shares your your priorities also. Yeah, and that, that's a great, great way to go into, segue into our next question is like, you know, once you've gotten over the way that somebody looks and what their interests are, how do you now have this dialogue with them? So you, you talked about Tinder. I actually read something from Tinder that said that there are 100 million messages each month on Tinder that just start with, hey. And I just think like, how do you even reply to that? You know, like what are some of those opening lines, you know, like, Hey, pretty lady or whatever it is that you think are more helpful to start that dialogue and then continue it to, to something deeper. Yeah. Um, well, for me, it was, again, I got a lot of the Hey messages and I just didn't really respond to those, but the ones the the messages that I responded to were the ones that asked questions right away. Like, you know, what's your favorite pasta in the city? Like, where, where's your favorite restaurant? You know, those types of things that give you something to work with. I, I know, agreed. Because when I see just, hey, I feel like that's a lazy response. You know, you probably didn't even read my profile or you didn't even comment on anything to do with the pictures. You know, it's so simple to look at pictures and say, hey, wh where was that on that trip that you posted and where you're hiking? Oh, well, it's, it's pretty easy to figure out. What was that, Judy? For me, when somebody is positive and they say something like, love yourself descriptor, we have a lot in common, I'd like to know more about such and such. And yeah, again, they show a real uh, interest 
in who you are. Um, yeah. And any synergies that immediately captures me. And I just want to say about photos, show me a guy with a dog and I'm all his. <laughs> there you go. I love it. And, and you know what? It's sort of funny because Bumble is one of those apps that's, that's fairly new, I guess, in the, in the dating space compared to some of the old ones that have been around. And it was created by a woman really to kind of have this, you know, more empowerment of women to reach out first. So women have to make the first move. And John, I know you were on Bumble. Can you tell us about some of those first lines that you've seen? And are there any terrible ones besides just the generic hey? A, a, a ridiculous amount of hey there's, uh, which uh, if it, I, myself, if I'm sending a message to someone and I'm receiving a message, I'd like to see some evidence that they actually read the profile and maybe, you know, comment about something in common, you know, like, where do you ski? I like to ski here. Something that mm -hmm. establishes that they they have a common interest and is actual dialogue. And, you know, hey there is is very vague. I guess it's a, it's a start. It's, I, I guess it's the online of equivalent of winking at somebody in a bar. So I guess that's that is. Yeah, not going to get you very far there. So I, I'm going to read an excerpt from you guys, to you guys because I found it very, very funny. And it shows some of the challenges of online dating. It was from an essay published in The New York Times by Sarah Moses called Single Woman Seeking Manwich. And it's from 2016. I almost gave up on dating when a sandwich rejected me. I got a message on OkCupid that said, what's shaking, bacon? And the only profile pictures were of actual sandwiches. Delicious looking sandwiches, but sandwiches nonetheless. Since I was feeling hungry and lonely, I decided to reply. A lot of bready puns ensued. The bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich told me that he needed me. And I told him I hoped I could rise to the occasion. He told me I was on a roll and assured me that my jokes weren't stale. He then said that I was baking him crazy and asked me to be his bay gal. I wrote, I'd loafe to be your bay gal. Then I never heard from him again. Maybe I was too eager and shouldn't have used two exclamation points. The sad thing, yes, sadder than corresponding with the sandwich, is that I was actually disappointed. Was I too witty or not witty enough? Perhaps I shouldn't have used the word love, even though it was disguised as loaf. But then I reminded myself that I was being rejected by a sandwich. <laughs> so... I, I just love that that line from Sarah Moses. I think it's hysterical. But honestly, in this day and age, there's ghosting, inappropriate comments, awkward small talk, and dating can be so bad. It's it's like hilarious. So, do you guys have any experiences when someone you were interested in just stopped talking to you, or in your case, how did you end things if you weren't interested? Uh, I I have found it frustrating that you'd, you'd have good dialogue with somebody and uh, then I use the term evaporate. It just kind of just disappears. Right. And um, I, when, when I was speaking with women, I, if I would try and be honest and be like, listen, we're geographically challenged. I don't think we're a match something but and usually best of luck to everybody. Good luck to everyone in the search. Cause I truly mean, I hope everybody in these sites gets off yeah. these sites, but um, the, the evaporating thing was frustrating. And, and I think that looks in, you know, that opens up a whole other avenue of this. Everybody, I think, on these sites is looking for the next best thing. And uh, I, I think that plays into it. So, you know, everyone has a number of dialogues and like, oh, this one's an inch taller and this one lives, you know, is a salary in the next bracket or whatever. But it seems like people are looking like they're looking at baseball cards instead of people. 
Yeah. And then yeah. there's like the people who endlessly text, right? John, have yeah. you experienced yeah. that? And you, you just want to say like, let's just meet for a cup of coffee because no matter how often you go back and forth on texting, if you actually physically meet and there's no compatibility and it's hard to keep the conversation going, what's the point? I always wonder why, you know, especially from a female perspective, why does he want to just keep delaying this and delaying this and delaying this, you know? Yeah. And Judy, from a writer perspective, I mean, yeah. Do you do you have any judgments on people like if they use poor grammar or <laughs> use like acronyms like you are instead of Y O U R or you know I'm making a joke out of it but but you know how do you how oh, do deal with some of that Yes, those are, are definite uh, deal breakers for me. If somebody is essentially illiterate, I think you need <laughs> to go over what you write and and don't trust spell check. Um, but I've had a lot of experiences with uh, cheaters, as we all have. Like one guy wrote that he and his wife were separated. So at dinner, and, and this is not uh, funny haha, but it's funny peculiar. He, I got him to admit that he and his wife were separated by a room when he was in one room and she uh -huh. was in another. You know? And another guy told me his name was Gary. And he gave me his real location and his type of business. So I looked him up at that location, even without the last name. And his real name was Larry. And he and his <laughs> wife ran the business together. So what was he thinking? This is the age of transparency. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Google you. And, yes. and you know what? There's actually a privacy thing that you have to worry about, too, I think, that, that you notice. And I would encourage... Just my experience in selling things on eBay and online and Facebook Marketplace that you get a Google voice phone number to text because yeah. something happens if you have Facebook and let's say you're texting back and forth with these essentially strangers that you meet online, Facebook will all of a sudden suggest them as a friend to you yes. in, in your Facebook. And that's creepy. That's creepy. Mm -hmm. But that is a good way to find out if somebody's name is Larry or Gary for, for <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting back to the cheaters thing. Yeah. I, I got to the point where if every one of a, every one of a woman's pictures was in a car or a bathroom, I assumed they were hiding from their spouse. <laughs> take the photos <laughs> immediately. Yeah. That's funny. That's a good one. It's funny, but it's true. Yeah. I, and there are a lot, I mean, there are a lot of those lying stories, right? Dawn, I know yeah. you've had one. From your earlier age, oh, yeah, I went on a date with, um, you know, I was I was thirty at the time, and I met a guy, and he was um, he lived in both New York and D.C. and was supposedly successful, and we go on a date um, at Pete's Tavern, and and we're talking, and I'm thinking he definitely looks a good twenty years older than me, but he had said he was you know thirty five, and then he starts talking about how he worked in the Carter administration. <laughs> you know, access to Wikipedia or anything like that. A lot, a lot of women have told me that men lie about their height. And I know height, like Ronnie's tall. Uh, I see why she would want to be with that taller guy. But don't they realize the lie is going to be immediately right. obvious on your first date? You know, like, yeah. how can you lie about that? Yeah. Maybe people are forced to take pictures. The men are forced to take pictures in the entrances to 7-Elevens where there's a ruler for uh, to uh, identify oh, the height like of that. I like that. So that way it's... Yeah. I yeah, also, yeah, yeah. along the same vein, everyone should be forced to holding a current newspaper in one life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. want to share this one quick story with you. 
I, I met an architect online and uh, he took me out a couple of times midweek. And this went on for like two, three, four weeks. And I said, what happened to the weekends? I said, when people don't take you out on the weekends, it means they're either involved with someone or married. He said, oh, no, 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 we'll go out next Saturday night. I'll take you out. I said, fine. That Thursday, I get an email from him in all caps, sick as a dog. <laughs> he, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't make it this weekend. But how about next Wednesday? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I mean, I think I think those things, I mean, you know, people are just out there players, they're fakes, they're phonies. But um, we have this great contributor at the Three Tomatoes, BD Cohan, and she's a sex and a, a relationship and advisor for over 40 years. And she basically has said that it takes close to a year, even after you do meet someone, to really find out who a person is. And hopefully it's not things like they're married or have, you know, a, a whole family in another state or anything like that. But I want to talk to you, Vanessa, specifically because, you know, you had said that you were single for so long and now you've been in this serious relationship. You guys are always off doing these wonderful things. So did you find that to be true? Uh, you know, it, it's yes, definitely. It takes time. When we when we first met a year and nine months ago, we we couldn't meet in person. So we ended up engaging in this back and forth by text and and by you know a little by phone and stuff um, through Tinder messages because he had these travel obligations. And at first, I just thought, oh, this is going to be one of those things where we never meet. So, but it, we ended up connecting pretty quickly and bonding over a lot of things that. I felt were, you know, pretty deep and we, you know, we pretty strong, but looking, I saved those texts and looking back at them now, I realized just how surface they were and how, you know, I, I knew on some level from experience that some of these things we were saying were going to sort of manifest in a more important way later on, but I didn't realize the extent of it, you know, so people put their best foot forward, you know, we exchanged a lot of important information in the most optimistic way possible. And then, you know, eight months later, nine months later, there were issues, you know, that we were first getting to realize. And it's hard to really explain it without giving examples, you know, and obviously I don't want to talk about yeah, yeah. personal stuff. But, you know, you looking back, it's just more a matter of I'm realizing how, just how much of uh, how surface those conversations really are. You don't really get to the meat and the depth of things until like a year in. Yeah, and that is hard. And I know, you know, when you're over the age of 40, that that has its own challenges, right? Because everybody pretty much has baggage. People mm -hmm. have kids. There's exes involved. You live maybe even in separate residences. And mm -hmm. Judy, I, I want you to tell your story if you can, because you have this story that's sort of this, you know, wonderful budding relationship. And it sort of came to a head a little bit um, because, you know, people are established and more mature and have their own things going on. Yeah. So, first of all, I don't agree that it takes a full year, especially if you go on a holiday together. You really get to see the person. But there's also mm -hmm. a question uh, that's controversial of how much to reveal how soon. So there was one guy I met for the first time and he took the first hour to let me know he had a touch of prostate cancer so he had a potency issue and also he let me know that he wore a CPAP to bed so 
I think we could have had a cocktail first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. It's all about compromise in Act 3. You know, some things are deal breakers, and it does take a while to excavate them. Um, for example, my very first online date was, I got really lucky, it was a tall, charming, handsome man who had actually shaved 10 years off his age. So he confessed over that first dinner, and when he saw I didn't care, he was very relieved. And we went out um, for seven months, and then he proposed. The only problem was the proposal came with I mean, he was a wealthy guy, and he had decided that he wanted to move to Florida, so he wanted me to end my career, sell my apartment, and move to a house on a golf course that he already scoped out. And unfortunately, my first thought was, shoot me in the head, because I have no desire to move to Florida. I love my work, and I adore my apartment, so none of that was going to happen. And I wish I had known that seven months earlier. But yeah, I mean, that's how he basically wanted you to uproot your entire life and completely change. Um, and that's and that's tough. And then it, it begs the question of like, well, when do you have those conversations? Um, you know, Dawn, Vanessa, do you guys have any of those experiences? Um, yeah, I definitely feel that even even now, a year and nine months later, Hagen and I are still kind of defining what we want going forward, because I think we spent a lot of the early part of our relationship just sort of being in the moment and not putting pressure on the future, you know, on, on having a future together. So, you know, we're first now really, um, I think, shaping that more. And, you know, there have been a few surprises, you know, about what he was thinking and what I was thinking. I think it, it would have been good to have the conversation a lot sooner. You know, um, yeah. not that it's a bad thing, but I think that it would have been helpful for both of us. Yeah, it's hard. And I don't think anybody's saying like, oh, go on your first date and be like, I want to get married and retire to Florida. <laughs> yeah, there's a balance. <laughs> That's the question is when when is the right point? You know, like for, for our relationship early on, he had been in a relationship prior to ours that he, you know, needed time to to move past more. And so it was it wasn't appropriate in the first six months to start talking about our future. You know, we, it, we were taking things more lightly. So it's hard to find that point where you say, okay, now's a good time. What do you want to do with this? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's also a bit of a catch 22. I mean, we all know it's, it's really hard to find someone you have a connection with that's actually going to respond to you and, and be honest to begin with. And when you're trying to meet them and get to know them, you know, you don't necessarily want to rule them out if they do or don't want to live in Florida. Um, you know, right. who knows? You might fall head over heels in love in, in a year and decide, decide maybe Florida will work out. You know, it's just, it's hard to decide, like, what's kind of, the, it's a chicken or the egg. You know, you don't want to rule something out too early on. Yeah, sure. yeah. So let's, um, let's move on to a little bit of something I'm going to call, how do you spot the players, right? So... <laughs> Um, to me, it seems that these older dudes are like mad for it, right? So after years of the same partner, they suddenly realize that the smorgasbord of sex available to them through these dating apps is mind-blowing, right? It makes them feel like Hugh freaking Hefner, RIP, and they embrace it wholeheartedly. So it's like dating Disneyland for their these a-holes, basically. So how do you guys figure out 
who is a player, and John, it's not exclusive to men, so I'm not putting you on the spot here, certainly. For the record, I am not a player. <laughs> well, you do play it with bike. Yeah, I play but... Monopoly. <laughs> so how do you guys spot, you know, who's who's a player and just, um, you know, is just out there just dating everybody, you know, a different night of the week, like a roulette wheel? Any, anything, Don? I've actually responded to a few guys in their 70s and 80s who said their age limit was like 30. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had some friends who had very unrealistic expectations when they became divorced. They wanted to go out and they said, you know, I want to meet a really hot 30-year-old girl. And I said, let's find a, a bar full of hot 30-year-old girls who are fantasizing about meeting bald, older, <laughs> older like, dudes. I have to say, a lot of my male friends had really unrealistic expectations about what expect. Right, or like being on a date, um, you know, I was on a date once with someone, and, you know, he was just telling me how he just came back from a trip with another woman, and I'm kind of like, hmm, how am, I supposed to, how am I supposed to handle that moving forward? Like, why am I here tonight? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. But so so one of the things is that like, you know, the the joke basically, but it's not really a joke is that, you know, uh, men with dead wives are a target demo, right? So for just find yourself a grieving widower, you know, a man who suffered the heartbreak of his beloved spouse's untimely death is really your best chance of finding love with a man over 40 because really he's not single by choice. So um, terrible thought, I know, but um, Judy, you you actually have a story that's kind of relatable to this yeah okay so first of all let me just preface that by saying i don't hang out at funeral parlors <laughs> you're not, you mean you're not reading the obituaries and uh calling but, them but yes, widow, i'm switching my your, status to widowed now <laughs> widowers for women are your best bet um they fall into two categories one are the ones who you know are desperately lonely after a very long marriage and they want to find a new life made immediately and then there are those who shut the door they've been married to the same woman for 50 something years and they feel at least the first year or two they feel disloyal to that you know so they're not going to be online uh what i want to say is i think that in terms of widowers your best bet is not to go online it's to engage with the family or friends not online dating connection because those guys really need to be introduced to you directly you know but they you know they're they're great so my rabbi i have a close rabbi friend introduced me to this is one of my most popular essays um to a a 98 year old billionaire <laughs> <laughs> this is a true story, by the way, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it was an unbelievable relationship. Um, and he died seven weeks shy of his 99th birthday. And he was an amazing human being. But I said to the rabbi, you want to introduce me to a 98-year-old who wants to date? And he said, no, I want to introduce you to a 98-year-old who wants to get remarried. I said, what about his adult children? He said, they're all for it. And and what ensued was probably the best four months of my life, flying on private planes and going to um, Casa de Campo in the Dominican and, and all of the things that I had never experienced 
And I really fell for him. And then, you know, he died. But I think I gave him the best few last few months of his life as well. But again, that was a personal introduction. And that does not happen too often. I yeah, just I, you I need think to put hard. it out there. It's hard to find people in real life. Like John had mentioned before, you know, the old fashioned way of meeting people after a couple of drinks at a bar kind of going by the wayside. Not that I would recommend that, but you know, people talk about the gyms or, or going to the home Depot aisle or, or whatever it is. But, um, so, so let's just jump right into the actual date, right? So there's nervousness, there's the outfit selection, the small talk, nervous drinking, oversharing that little bit of spinach that you didn't know what were in your teeth. And, it's really awkward. They're basically like job interviews with alcohol. So I just want to hear before we wrap up uh, some of your first date stories. If there was anybody that had like a really bad first date or a fantastic first date. And I'm going to throw this one over to uh, Vanessa first. Uh, so I'll go with the, the optimistic side, the fantastic first date, which is obviously my current boyfriend. And I think what made it really special is the fact that we had not met, um, at, in person for a month. So we already had uh, a bit of a foundation and we had a build up, and we got to know each other on a mental level first. And so that when we finally met in person, it, it felt like it was electric and we had, we were both excited. We both had the butter butterflies in the stomach. And I think it would have been very different had we met right away in person, because I think a lot of the physical stuff would have sort of clouded a lot of our ability to get to know one another on another, on a deeper level. So I think that that was something that made a big difference for both of us. That's great. John, I know you had a, first date with a lovely woman who instantly became your like 90 year old wife <laughs> you want to tell that story <laughs> these stories i can't pick through them um most first dates have you know they're very everyone's nervous i'm nervous i don't want to have a drink during it i just wanted to you know maybe something i'm fine having a glass of wine um or coffee but it, it's it's hard and it's it's always going to be hard for me I don't know, maybe it's easier for some other people, but I've had some that were great that the second date was five minutes later. You know, you went out and like, this is awesome. Let's do something. And that's that's great when that happens, but it's rare. And a lot of them do fit that generics. It's it's sad. It, it, you're not going to know if someone's the one right away, but you know if they're not the one really, really, really quickly. And it's sometimes it's just you wish you could they should give out like flags that either one can throw a flag like let's end this right now <laughs> you know yeah. like, we'll split the appetizer cost and you know best of luck because sometimes it's just like it's obviously mm -hmm. not there you know and, and then it becomes painful and awkward and you know uh, you know yeah i think i like so your someone please call me like yeah. anything you know? i like your thinking of optimism though because i think a lot of people go into a first date having like an exit strategy right so you're there and you're like well what if they're 10 inches shorter what if they you know um just you know don't jive or they smell or something really terrible but i like your optimism of thinking immediately well i'm going to go into this date saying this is going to be the best first date I'm immediately going to jump to date number two five minutes later. So I think that's like awesome advice. But I want to throw it over to Dawn regarding that kind of like 
exit strategy of your first date because you have a crazy story about this. And hopefully, and who knows, this could be a good exit strategy for uh, any of the listeners. So, <laughs> hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, okay, that's no. my exit strategy. <laughs> I was, I was a, a guy I met on Bumble. I was really excited to meet him. We had a few good phone conversations, and he'd already had to reschedule once. And I share that because we go to meet. At, we go to meet. And first, he had totally lied about his age, and I was wearing, you know, high heels and was, I mean, not his age, his height. So that was to start with. But he um, had orders himself a tequila drink and me a drink, and then we're talking for maybe five minutes, and he excuses himself to run to the restroom. And then he, come back, he comes back and tells me how he was just vomiting and sick and had to cut the date early. And <laughs> you guys see Dawn? Like, Dawn's hot. There's no oh reason anybody should oh be vomiting. <laughs> so I'm like, great. Yeah, so like five minutes talking to me and you're in the bathroom. But then, and then he left and I was actually somewhat relieved because I knew, you know, like John just said, I knew it wasn't going to be a long-term fit. There, we weren't really jiving. Um, and so in some ways I was like, this is great. Now I can just finish my glass of wine in peace and look at Instagram. Um, but I, didn't, I was thinking, you know, what was he being really honest because he had said he was feeling sick all day and didn't want to reschedule. But let's be real. If you weren't feeling well, would you be ordering a drink with tequila? I don't really think so. Yeah. Barely <laughs> drink he ordered anyway. So. <laughs> I'm kidding. Judy, do you have any last, last parting words? I do. And I, I want to say this about first dates. And keep in mind... You know, in this Me Too age, this is what I'm going to say now is going to be very controversial. But keep in mind that I date in the 70 to 100 age range. So uh, take it with a grain of salt. I invite people up to my apartment. Now, I do have a staff, so I'm not usually alone for one thing. But again, 70 to 100. Um, I don't want to meet somebody at a Starbucks. I show better in my beautiful apartment with my two chihuahuas and everything else. And it has never not gone to a second, third, fourth date if I want it. Because to me, that works. And I understand that is not something that most people, including many of my women friends, would ever do. So I'm just being very honest. I meet people here in my own apartment. Wow, that's definitely, definitely unusual. Um, I could see men getting the wrong impression and coming on, coming over with their condom on, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 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 in a bathrobe. <laughs> right? But anyway, you guys, this has been so much fun. And thank you guys for your honesty and sharing. I want to thank Judy, Vanessa, Dawn, John, again, for joining me. Um, okay. So. Here we are now. We're going to raise a glass to cheer you all virtually with your beverage of choice. It is yeah. the hour somewhere. Thanks so, so Thank much. Thank you. Bye-bye.